Marketing in Web3 might be the second most important thing that any good project focuses on. And quite frankly, that is a big might. While technology, smart contracts, and art are all important, marketing might be at the top of the list on the things that are important checklists for NFT projects. With marketing comes influencers, people who leverage social media followings and prowess to provide support for NFT projects, of which there can be many negative connotations in the NFT space. Pumping bags, exit liquidity, rugs, and many more negative descriptors have been used. Just the word influencer can strike a chord these days. You'll even hear about it on this episode of the show. But marketing is essential. Getting the word out is imperative. So what's the best approach to leverage? Being candid, real, and authentic online is imperative in the world of marketing and Web3. Today, we find out more about some of these things from the man behind the Twitter account, Ben Jammin. Ben will give us his insights into marketing, Web3, influencers, and more. Without further ado, let's jump in. Today, we are joined by Ben Jammin, Mr. Doing NFT Things. If you look at his Twitter profile, at XBenJamminX. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. It's it's good to see you again, Coop. Thank you for having me on and excited to talk and you know just uh, explore the world of NFTs a little bit. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate that. Have a lot of fun and hot topics to talk about. Anytime you're using the word influencer, even in the world of marketing and Web3 these days, things can get heated. So I'm excited to get your perspective on all things Web3. But let's start off with just the roles that you have. Again, according to your Twitter profile, you're sharing news at NFT Soapbox. You're a fan-controlled football league ambassador. You're doing content for Nifty Portal, and you also have your own thing going on with Moving Forward Management, MFM NFT, that focuses on strategy and community building. So how do you currently sort of just define what you do in this space? Well, you you said it right from the start. I'm doing NFT things, right? Like <laughs> that's the best way to describe it. I'm there, There's always something different going on and you know, there are long-term commitments and short-term commitments. So some things I work on for a long time and some things um, are, are just more uh, short-term, you know, like li- uh, a month or two or something, d- depending on what I'm doing. But yeah, like I, I share news, you know, I just like to educate people, you know, I, so I created a Twitter account for that where I just share things that I think people would be interested in. And then also um, Nifty Portal is a, a show or a, a company now, like a media company run by a few friends of mine. And, you know, I met them in New York, NFT NYC and Art Basel in Miami and just uh, watching them put together, you know, a lot of great content and doing uh, a morning show at 9 a.m. Eastern every day. And, you know, I was just participating in it, listening, and then eventually we talked and they decided to, you know, bring me onto the team to do some content with them. And uh, Fan Control Football is a really cool new uh, professional football league. And so, you know, we could get into that if you want, but um, I'm the league ambassador there. There's teams that are controlled by NFTs and the fans themselves. So it's a really cool thing to be a part of. And uh, they're actually entering playoffs this week. So it's, it's uh, you know, a fun thing to talk about for sure. 
Man, fan-controlled football really seems like uh, an untapped uh, market for continuing to pro- provide exceptional sporting contests. How did I guess? I guess let's let's jump into that a little bit. How did you get or find yourself in getting involved with fan-controlled football? It, it's more about um, just being involved in the board ape community. So, um, so one of my friends who is in the board ape community was or is working for fan control football. And he knows that I used to do DFS stuff and I also am involved in NFTs. So he thought it'd be a good fit and he reached out to me and we ended up working out, you know, a deal that brought me on as league ambassador to help them promote the league itself. And it's been a great season. I've been really enjoying it. And, you know, I'm, I'm also a big Knights of Gen Drew Austin fan. You know, so uh, I, I was sad to see them get eliminated from the playoffs, but uh, I, I rep the Bored Apes first and foremost in that league. So uh, it's it's just really fun. It's something I enjoy. And it's just another another thing that's really come from that that Bored Ape network and community that has really you know been key to a lot of the value, I think, that uh, it provides to be a holder. Yeah, we're going to we're going to get into the board ape story. I want to I want to hear kind of from beginning to end your board ape journey on the fan controlled football. I, I think the football is elite level football. I think it comes across as a little bit different than what people are used to seeing. But you got the likes of Johnny Manziel in there. You got T.O. You got some people that really, really played high end college football. And I've been thoroughly impressed with the level of skill that is on display week in and week out and really cool wrinkles with what what they do with the draft. I think playoffs will be really fun to, to keep an eye on. So talk a little bit about what, what is moving forward management? I saw on your Twitter profile, it's something you're doing. And I, I really love this concept of building communities because I think it's, it's probably one of the most important things for NFT projects. If you look at the ones that have had success, they've got great rallied communities around them. And, and I'm excited to hear more about what you're doing uh, in terms of how to build communities. That's a great question. Uh, last year, uh, towards the end of the year, I created a company called Moving Forward Management to legitimize uh, more like of the consulting stuff that I was doing and advising and helping NFT projects be able to launch and you know set up their roadmaps and their timelines and just basically build it out like a product. And so I created that company. And um, at first, I was doing a lot of the hands-on, you know, creating the discord, getting all the security and all the bots and all the settings and everything that you would need to, you know, start building that community. And so I was doing that pretty hands-on for a while and then turned that into more education on how to do it. So I set up, you know, documents and stuff like that. And I would walk projects through every step of the way of, you know, how to set this up to, you know, maximize what discord, and social media can do for your projects. And so I, I was helping projects launch. I was helping them create uh, communities and, and build that out. And so that's something that I continue to do here and there. You know, community management is one of the things that's most overlooked in all of NFTs. And so I've definitely spent a, a good amount of time educating people, artists, projects, and, you know, all the above on, on how to do that in an efficient way. I completely agree with what you just said about it being overlooked. It is incredibly powerful what you can do when you get 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people in a Discord that all 
essentially have common interests, have aligned incentives, and ultimately want to see, you know, genuinely cool things get created, genuinely new stuff come to the space that, you know, we haven't seen before and powering the teams to go take those crazy ideas and try to put them into execution. You said social media there. So I want to, I want to go into social media a little bit here and talk about um, NFT influencers and just marketing in general. I guess want to get your perspective as someone who's continuing to flourish and grow your own personal brand. How do you see NFT influencers today? And more importantly, I guess, you know, how are you measuring things like ethics when it comes down to what projects you work with and who you're tweeting about, who you might be on social media representing from a personal standpoint versus, you know, being on the influencer side of the house. I, I think the term influencer gets more of a negative connotation in this industry than any other. And so, you know, I don't, I don't call myself or refer to myself as an influencer. I know other people may, and I know, you know, as soon as you get a lot of followers, you just kind of de facto become that since you you know you have influence over people with your words so i try to be careful with that and you know if there's any ever a deal that i do with anybody i try to be as forthcoming as possible so you know for instance if someone likes to if someone wants to send me a gift or something like that um a product that's created or something that's made it's a lot different in my opinion than someone offering to give me money for like a retweet so you know i I think when you look at like Instagram and YouTuber type influencers, you know, like there's a lot of product reviews and unboxing things. And, you know, th that's the kind of stuff that I like to be a part of. And I do my best to always be very proactive in mentioning that, hey, I was I was gifted this or, you know, um, they sent me this so I can tell you about it, like to give you some alpha kind of thing. So, um, you know, I'm not perfect with that, but I do try to be forthcoming. But in this industry, there's there's definitely a lot of unethical people when whether that starts from crypto or NFTs itself. But there's definitely easy money to be made and people will take advantage of that. Um, but li like you said, you know, I'm building a brand and I'm trying to not just learn from you know any kind of missteps I've made in the past, but anything that I've seen others do. And so, you know, you you learn over time and you try to be you know, better than you were before. And so for me, I think you should always be disclosing as much as you can be transparent. Like if you're getting something or if you're getting paid, you know, even just saying like, I'm working with this team. So whatever comes out of your mouth or whatever you tweet, you know, people just know there's a bias and, you know, you could be raw and honest about what you think about it, but just let people know that, you know, you're a holder or you were gifted something or you're working with the team. And I think that'll just help people when they try to make their own decisions. I love how you're like one, just in, in uh, entertaining the conversation here today Two, how you did use the word influence and, and negative connotation, because I think that's a hundred percent spot on these days in the web three space. If you're an influencer, it's automatically assumed that you're a bad person or that there's some ne negative connotation about that. When I think that there's a lot of really powerful things that, people with influence, people who have social media followings, people who can help market, really help NFT projects in a, in a very positive way. Without a doubt, you know, in my opinion, 
marketing and leveraging influencers is one of the most important things that any good team will do. Um, and, it, and it's about trying to come across as genuine as possible. Um, and I told you this behind the scenes, the genuine nature of your personal Twitter account that I think is fantastic because I only have been fortunate enough to meet you one time in person, but I truly know it's you tweeting. I think it has just an authentic nature to uh, your social media. And I think that's hard to do at times, but I also think there's a lot of value in finding those people that can do things above board that want to be positive forces and positive influences on project and also help them get their get the word out to people right. uh, about what they're doing about the cool stuff that that is getting created in the space yeah thanks and, and if i could just uh, even elaborate on that a little further i think one of the problems is you know th there's a lot of supply and oversaturation of projects coming out and even people making multiple projects so there's just a lot of a lot of that coming down the pipe and when you look at the way that people get visibility the the way to do it in this space is pretty much through twitter and people's big twitter accounts and then retweeting and posting and doing things like that and I, I think the the problem with doing any kind of marketing for a project that you're not in control of it you know you leave yourself open to being held liable for something that you were not actively involved in so if there's someone that's you know tweeting for money or for, you know, promoting a project and then that project rugs, you know, they're held, you know, socially liable at minimum. And so, you know, being involved with things like that, where you're putting your name and your brand on the line for something that you don't have control over, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, a uh, it puts a lot of people in precarious positions and we've seen downfalls of, you know, people who were respected because they promoted something and then what they promoted ended up either not doing well or rugging and they didn't have any control over it. And, you know, that's something that I try to avoid. So, you know, any kind of marketing that I did for NFT projects, I did earlier on. And once I realized that, that, you know, if, if something goes wrong, I can be held responsible for that, even though it's like, I don't have my hand on any of the buttons or anything like that. You know, that's when I kind of switched over in, into a more of like an education role and trying to teach and, and help instead of just, you know, put my name and my brand on the line for other projects that, you know, I'm not responsible for. I want to ask this question too, because I think a lot of people that have spent, you know, any significant amount of time in the space have, have likely heard it. So I want to, I want to get your, your opinion on it. So we'll cut to the chase. Do you think there is some super elites, Illuminati-like set of characters and influencers out there that are making coordinated pumps of certain projects? Yes and no. So I think the extent to, to which people believe there's big market makers all coordinating, I think that part of it is a little misjudged. But there are definitely small pockets of people who have a lot of money that talk with each other. And, you know, it's like, if you have a group of friends and you're just, you know, texting in a, a group DM, and you're like, Hey, I really like this project, but you all happen to have money. So everyone in the group simultaneously is like, yeah, I like that too. And they all go and hit something. You know, you could do a lot of damage to a floor and you can start providing a lot of FOMO in the market, whether you're planning to dump them or not, there's definitely, you know, 
people get take notice of that. You see it on icy tools and on these other trackers that you're like, whoa, where's all this volume coming from? Well, I got to get in too. Did you see this person bought it and this person bought it? So yeah, there's definitely organic pumps that happen like that due to people just being in groups, the alpha groups and just chatting with others and making a call and then a whole group of people run to it. There's that. Um, but I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there were people who did it to manufacture pumps so that they could dump on people. And we've seen some of that happen. Um, and, you know, the the projects that I think that have done things like that is like, you know, the NFT archaeologists who will out of nowhere just be like, oh, here's a, a project that was created three years ago. You know, let's pump this. I just bought 600 of them, you know, something like that. Um, so I think there's there's definitely that stuff that happens, but I think it's it's more of an organic thing than people realize. It just may happen with small groups of people who do have a lot of money. And, um, you know, you've seen it in coordinated pumps when, you know, everybody turns their PFPs at the same time. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's coordinated in a nefarious way. It could just be like a lot of people and a lot of chats talking about it, but you know, it can spring from smaller groups into bigger groups and go that way. So people are always trying to plant seeds for their own bags. And, you know, you see it all over the place. You know, someone posts, you know, most people will post about a project only after they've bought it. Right. And and I think that's where you have to really take note of of who you're following and what people's intentions are. And if, if it's someone who, you know, is not going to sell anyway, and they're just letting you know, like, Hey, I just bought a bunch of these because of X, Y, and Z. They are in turn trying to pump their bags, but they're giving a legitimate reason why they think other people would enjoy it. Or if there's just someone who is, you know, bought it, Hey, everybody come buy this. I love it. And you go and you see, they already have a bunch of listings, you know, within the range of where you would be buying. And so it's more, exit liquidity. So yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, nefarious things that happen, but they're definitely not on the scale that um, people would expect for collectors. But the the bigger problem, in my opinion, are groups of devs who bang out a bunch of projects in short periods of time and run away with the money that that that, in my opinion, is the, the biggest problem in NFTs. You're always going to hear about one or two of the negative stories. Unfortunately, negative stories always get more of the attention than than some of the positive stories that that are out there. And and I think what you said right there makes a ton of sense to me. You know, people that have money and, and quite frankly, at some of these NFT projects with some of the way floors are, it doesn't take, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to make serious impact. And if you have, you know, a group of 10 people that all have, you know, several thousands of dollars to be able to invest, it could seem like there's a lot of nefarious things happening, but maybe they are true organic type uh, engagements and activities uh, that might just appear. Uh, you know, you've seen one nefarious action and all of the other non-nefarious actions sort of look like it. And so they get labeled uh, as that instantly. It's a great way of putting it. So let's talk board apes. I definitely want to understand and hear uh, from your journey about the apes. So first, did you did you mint apes or when did you get them? Yeah, I minted one ape and then bought the rest on secondary or traded Zed Run horses for them. Okay, and you bought in in what range? Um, I'm the last one I ever bought was 0.79 ETH. So before um, one ETH floors, yeah. Hit. 
Right. And and how how many of you have you bought? If if you did, like, what's the max you've held at any given time? If you don't if you don't mind sharing, the most I had at one time was eight. Were you one of those people that kind of like um, you were like torturing yourself? Hey, I, I want to sell this, or you know, I, I'm. Or, or were you one person that was like, no, I'm always going to have at least one for for the duration. Uh, a little bit of both. You know, uh, on the way up, I took profits at points where all of my investments were already covered. So, it, you know, I was profitable from like the the from the first month, essentially, you know, like once I sold a few off and then the last one I sold, I think was four ETH or something like that, like twelve twelve $12,000. And I went and bought a puppy that day. And then that was the last one I sold until 80 ETH. So um, the way up, it went to, at one point, a floor of 60 ETH on the night that they dropped mutants, fell back down below 30. And I would say that was probably the only time I had ever been a little nervous about it. But it, it shot back up, you know, hit over 100, hit over 150. And it's always done these ups and downs for the last year or so. So um, I would say that my... my um, willingness to sell was was kind of depleted by the fact that I was so profitable in it early on and I was able to take profits and move those into other things and then ride the wave but I did always intend to keep one the one that I minted and then I have I have more that I'm willing to sell you know during you know another run knowing that you minted them from like when you were in discord and it was sort of still relatively unknown to the mega popular times how has that roller coaster been it's it's really been life changing in a lot of ways and um the financial aspect is is always one that's focused on but for me what's been most impactful was the relationships that i've made and the opportunities that i get for holding an ape and being a part of the community whether it's people within the community who just inherently give you, you know, just more trust for being a part of that or people externally who say, you know, you're a taste maker or something because you're a part of apes or we want to, you know, use your IP to help us market things. So it's just giving me a lot of opportunities that, you know, I wouldn't have happened, have happened otherwise for myself in most cases. But, um, you know, I've made a lot of great friends. I've had a lot of good you know, partnerships and, and opportunities from, you know, great people, great companies and people with vision. And so it's just been amazing to be a part of. And the roller coaster, um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't really think a lot about having to sell on the way up. Um, more so in, in the last few weeks have made me the, the most nervous I've been, you know, it's, uh, because of the whole crash of the market and everything. But for the most part, I've I've held on to my conviction. You know, I've been rewarded for it by the team and the community and you know, I'm I'm continuing to be a holder and I'm happy to be a part of the community and the roller coaster ride for me um was was more so about, you know, just emotionally being able to handle the whole market and the amount of time spent in the market, you know, losing sleep here and there forgetting to eat you know just being so invested and involved in the the minutia and the details really led to a bit of um burnout for myself that i had to you know deal with and i don't know how everyone else feels about it but i used to do like you know 12 to 15 hour days for a long time and that caught up to me so 
Um, I I love it, and it's it's been so great for the past year. But I would say uh, it's been less about the financial roller coaster and more about you know the physical and emotional roller coaster. I want to get into this a little bit. You know, you said twelve to fifteen hour days, and I think anyone who's been in the space and has been relatively seriously invested has had those days, weeks, dare I say, even months at a time where you aren't sleeping a ton. You're watching every bit of the news there. You know, people might say that you're over-invested, but it ends up meaning that you realize that there's opportunity at any given time over the course of, of the last year. And when those opportunities come, if you aren't, you know, paying attention, if you aren't in the right spots, um, then you can lose out on a lot of, uh, you know, potential financial upside uh, and other upside as well. Like you said, you're, you're getting professional upside alongside some of the financial upside that you've been able to, to garner. Um, so, so talk, talk to me a little bit about that. What's been, you know, that, that time when you were kind of grinding it out, what's been sort of your ultimate low point in, in NFTs over the course of the last year? I would say my low point was probably the, the end of winter beginning of spring was when I was hitting the most burnout. And so what that did teach me, you know, about this conversation that we're having is um, I, I shouldn't ever do those 12 to 15 hour days, you know, un unless, unless your job requires it of you, if you're doing overtime or something like that, you're doing physical, you know, manual labor where you have to be there or just whatever, you know, if you have to do it, you have to do it. But if you have the option um, I think it's just unhealthy. You know, if, if you need to do spurts of that, to, you know, do sprints, uh, you know, to get a product rolled out or something like that. Like you need to do what you need to do, but you need to make sure you get rest. And so that's something that I figured out is I, I need the rest more than I need the extra hours put in. And because those extra hours, you're, you're just not operating at full strength, you know, and like you're missing a lot anyway, you know, I would be staring at stuff and kind of zoning out. And so what I realized is, in, in order to avoid that burnout, you know, do less per day, but when you do it, do it hard. You know, like I, I was doing, I was doing, you know, 12 to 15 hour days, depending on what I'm working on, but I can't put a hundred percent of my focus in that whole time. But if you do it in shorter spurts, you could put a lot more focus in. And so, you know, I, I've taken that time to learn a lot about what my, you know, my relationship with, you know, work ethic is and, and responsibility and balance the, the home life and, and just not making my entire world about work. And, you know, I think being able to have that, that um, understanding now, you know, is, is really important for me that if I had known this last year, I wouldn't have had the burnout I did and needed to, you know, kind of separate and distance myself a little bit. Um, so I would just, you know, anybody listening that's thinking that's something that you have to do to be successful, I would just say like it 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 gives you more downside on the long term than upside, in my opinion. And um, that's just something that I've found out about myself. If it, if it's something you love to do and you like to listen to those motivational videos that tell you don't sleep, you know, you you, you have to love your work more than you love sleep you know, stuff like that. Like th there's a certain type of mentality that can do that, but that's not something that, you know, is, is comfortable for me. I think the important message that you just relayed is 
a self-recognition, an awareness of who you need to be to be your best self. And at any given time, you can change. I think sometimes people get in their ways and they feel like there is no turning back. There is no way to change. But you're a living, breathing, successful person who has changed their ways and ha- did recognize that they were taking uh, or needing to, to take a, a step back and to reevaluate and to come up with a different plan. And, you know, it's awesome to be able to uh, put that into words and share it with others who might be going through sort of similar challenge and of uh, trying to overcome that challenge. So you can change and there's a lot of ways to be successful. It, it doesn't matter if you don't sleep. It doesn't necessarily guarantee your success. That's for sure. Let's talk a little bit about dis- disconnecting from the space. Uh, I've seen so many good tweets from you even as recent as as Saturday, I think I saw you saying, get out there, touch some grass. I'm going to reconnect with some hobbies. I saw, you know, you mentioned you bought the puppy. I know you talk a little bit about family life and your, your, your wife at home and and getting involved and doing things together. How do you, how do you disconnect and what's, what's some of the stuff you do for fun? This is one of my favorite things to talk about. Now, as much as I love NFTs, I think, um, you know, having a, a healthy life and mentality is more important than anything. And um, my wife's a therapist. And and so we talk about stuff like this a lot. But uh, one of the things that's really important is you have to love yourself first, before others can love you, you know, and you have to you have to really focus on internally keeping yourself happy, and being comfortable in in the skin that you're in. And so you know, focusing on that and realizing that, you know, your self worth comes from within and and What's important is, you know, family and the people in your your small circles. Um, you know, th- that's what I focus a lot of my time on. And so my wife and I, you know, we've doing we've been doing a lot more uh, walks just in general, just walking and talking and just, you know, making sure we're on the same page with everything about life and, you know, talking through each other's problems. And it's been really, really healthy uh, from a, a relationship standpoint. And, you know, I have my wife, I have my two puppies, I have a, a baby boy on the way coming in October. Um, and so I've been focusing a lot on that. And and one of the things that I like to do when I feel like I'm unclear in my head is I like to, you know, organize my area and the space that I'm in and make sure that, you know, the, the clutter is not coming from that because a lot of the times it is. If you're working from a messy area, you'll see that. Um, when you clean it up, you actually think a little bit straighter, you know where things are, and you have a, a, a better and uh, healthy relationship with your environment around you. And some of the things that I've done recently is I, I've built more storage for my office. I bought a whiteboard setup that I want to work on um, to do more um, like scheduling and building out things. And then I have um, this uh, Cricket Maker. I don't know if you guys know what Cricket is, but I used to be really into 3D printing and Cricut is something that um, we can make like, you know, custom designs on, you know, T-shirts and coffee mugs and bowls and all that kind of fun stuff. So I want to get into that and, you know, focus on the creative side a little bit more. So all, all of this has just, you know, started from me making sure that I'm happy with myself and the environment I'm in and being grateful for everything. And then, you know, recognizing that part of it and working on that led me to be able to be more comfortable not working all the time and not seeing my identity be, you know, 
fixated on work and the success of that, but also be able to refocus and put time into the things that I enjoy doing. And that makes me feel better about the time that I spend at work. And it makes me you know, more gung ho to get up and do it every day. Man, what an answer. First, congratulations to you and your wife on the baby boy on the way. Second, we need to know the names of your dogs. What, what are your dog's names? Thanks. Yeah. So um, the, the first one is Captain. He's our little boy. Then we have Delilah. She's a little girl, two little puppies. And then uh, the, the boy on the way is named Brayden. Congratulations. Though. That's that's fantastic news. As uh, as someone speaking from fatherhood, uh, I have a an almost two year old son. So it, it is truly life changing in terms of being a dad and changing the way you think and changing everything about life, but in in so many good ways. So I'm excited to watch that journey unfold uh, as Appreciate well as that. we as we continue to stay connected. Thank um, you. Ben, I just have a, a couple more questions. I, I want to know knowing that there are more people that are going to come and get into the space. What is some advice that you give to maybe normal people that aren't in web three and how do you, how do you talk to them in ways that they would understand? How, how do you, how do you sort of convey some of the thoughts about why you're so bullish on web three to normal people that aren't involved yet? Let's see. So I'll, I'll answer it. I'll answer it in, in a little bit of a different way. So let, let's just assume that the, 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 the person I brought in has an understanding of a basic understanding of what an NFT is. Otherwise, I would have to explain that part of it. But I'll say what I focus on is, is not necessarily why I'm bullish on Web3, because I assume that conversation is what led to them wanting to start you know, opening their wallet anyway, like that kind of thing. So if it's that conversation... Um, then I think, you know, it, it just, it goes whichever way they ask questions. You know, I, I try to say, well, what do you want to know? And I'll try to explain it to the best of my ability. And I could tell you why I like whatever, you know, I'm bullish on, but I think the, the things that I focus on the most with new entrants is, um, wallet security is just making sure they have an understanding. Like when you're setting up your wallet, regardless of why I think NFTs are going to be great. If you're setting up a wallet and you plan to get involved, understand, you know, what you're doing and, you know, to the, at least to a basic understanding of what a wallet is, you know, what to do with a seed phrase, where to store it, where not to store it. Um, you know, what a hardware wallet is, you know, so, so anything that you're going to be involved in, you need to understand that there, there's a level of risk. And you need to just be as proactive you can with wallet security. And even even the best of the best can't always protect themselves. So you need to understand the risk in that. So that's one of the first things I talk about. Um, and then the, the other stuff is if you're going to be involved in any kind of buying and selling of NFTs, understand that there's fees attached to it. So if you buy something for one ETH and you go to sell it for one ETH, you're not you know you're not getting one ETH back you're usually subtracting anywhere from five to 10% off of that total. So you're, you need to understand that part of it as well as gas fees. If you're buying something that, you know, you spent X amount of dollars in gas fees on, then whatever price you're trying to sell it at minus the, the transaction fees and minus the gas fees, that's what you have to sell it at in order to be profitable. So um, th those are the two things I would say I focus on with people who are getting involved. Um, but, that you know that that's just a little bit 
of a different way of, of answering your question. I'm sorry. I, I just think that those are the things that are, are most important to me. There's a lot of ways to answer that question and uh, understanding the basics and the 101 is cer certainly imperative for you to be anywhere near successful in the space. If you don't know what NFTs are or why people are bullish on it, then it's it's just such a, a longer conversation that we could take a whole episode on on just that. It's important, but I you know I don't want to talk your ear off for that. So I would say like the things I focus on most for people who are getting started in NFTs are those things about securing your assets and how to be profitable if you're looking to be buying and selling them. Excellent. And one last thing I wanted to hit on, you hit on it a little bit earlier. You know, as someone who's played DFS, we have a pretty big sports following. So I wanted to know from your perspective, what comparisons that you've been able to draw between DFS and just NFT investing and trading. And how do you compare, make comparisons, but also how do you sort of think about the mental investment that is required for you to be successful in either one of those activities? Yeah, well, I love DFS. You know, I, I, I did it pretty regularly for years. You know, I ran daily Roto Sharks with my partner, CG, and um, the, the transition made it um, fairly easy to me, be, easy to me because, you know, I understand a lot of the risk reward and statistics of like where you put your money and things. And I was also, you know, involved in trading stocks for a while. So the comparison of, you know, those couple of things and the collectible market, you know, I, I saw ways to be able to spend time reading data, like, you know, crypto slam. And then when you guys uh, started putting out your NFT stuff and being able to understand that data with top shot, that was, you know, my first real, entrance into, you know, buying and selling collectibles as a market. So I would say the the data that was involved made it easy to transition. And the fact that, you know, I was used to spending um, money that I had set aside ex accepting if I was going to lose it, right? Like when you play tournaments and stuff like, you know, it, it's minus EV and you're not really expecting for the most part to even get your money back, but you're, you know, shooting long shots. Right. And so that's kind of the way that I saw NFT projects and I still continue to see in a way, you know, there's definitely a level of strategic gambling, but that's the same thing with stocks. You know, you like, you can look at earnings and you can look at revenue and you, but at the same time, you never really know what's going to happen. One bad press release can make all of that, you know, worthless. So um, same thing in the NFT space, you know, one tweet, good or bad, can make or break a project. And so you have to be ready for stuff like that using proper risk assessment and understanding that the, the capital that you're planning to invest isn't necessarily uh, safe. And if anything, it's more so at risk and it's a lot more volatile than, you know, um, IRL assets like, you know, real estate or uh, even using, you know, stocks for the most part, like, you know, S&P is, is a lot less volatile than Bitcoin. I love the mental element of playing with capital that you know that you can and likely sometimes may lose is really an important piece. All right, lastly, and I'll, we'll get you out of here, but I want to know what what's your hottest take, whether it's hot take on kind of where NFTs go in the next year, hot take on metaverse, what's your, what's your hottest take in, in the Web3 space? I think that the metaverse digital land aspect of gaming is is going to separate itself. 
And I think that all these projects that are putting out land, expecting you to play on their metaverse, you know, it's not going to be realistic for one person to spend time in a lot of different metaverses. And so there's going to be big winners there. And I think the, the, the land that is just kind of by itself, that doesn't have a real element of entertainment is just going to fall to the wayside compared to ones that have an active gaming environment and draw people to it. So uh, a lot of the land that people are buying, I think is, is really not going to mean much at all. And, and that's not just saying like, you know, there's, there's a take all, all, you know, 99% of NFTs are going to go to zero, right? Like, which is pretty true when you think about the amount of supply that comes out and the amount of that just go to zero already. But I think um, there are some big metaverse land plays and I'm not going to say any names, but there's some big metaverse land plays that people are invested in that I think are just going to become obsolete that they, that are expected to last a long time. And, you know, that, that's something that I don't think enough people are thinking about yet. We're going to see about uh, what is going to be the metaverse. I think there's a lot of questions, a lot of unknowns, a lot of curiosity to explore and things to uncover. But yeah, the metaverse is going to be certainly a hot topic all of the rest of 2022 and definitely into 2023. Ben, I can't thank you enough. Absolutely, bro. It was a pleasure. Appreciate you inviting me on and you know, love what you guys are doing. And thanks again. And you know, hopefully we'll see each other IRL again. I first met Ben at NFT NYC last year, and you could tell how authentic he was as a person. Generally, being honest, true, and real online can be a challenge, meaning there are people who can and will take advantage of that. Marketing is so important, but there's a fine line to waltz. Mr. Doing NFT Things, as he said it best himself, shows us that there are so many opportunities to get involved in Web3. Explore your passions, let your curiosity take over, and don't be afraid to reach out to anyone. We're all in this together, simply trying to make it. And remember, there's plenty of life to live, both inside and outside the world of NFTs. So keep on living, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.